Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Welcome to Silverdale Baptist Church. So good to see all of you today. I'd like to welcome all of you at our Creekside service, our Bonnie Oaks campus, North Udawa, St. Elmo, and all of you worshiping online. I'm Tony Wallace, one of the pastors here at Silverdale, and I have the privilege today to share with you God's Word. So this is what I encourage you to do. Go ahead and take your Bibles and open up to the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 8. We're going to start there. We're also going to be at Mark chapter 10 as well. And if you've got a smartphone, you can open that app to Mark 10 and Mark 8. Also, we provide these Bible study outlines for you so you can follow along and take notes. We always tell you, when you're studying God's Word, you need to take notes so you can write down the things that God is speaking to you about. We're in a series called Follow Me, where we're studying through the Gospel of Mark, and we're learning how to follow Jesus. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus healing two blind men. Now, it's remarkable to me just how much blind folks in America have accomplished, right? I mean, there's um, 10 million legally blind folks in America, and there's some famous blind people like, obviously, Helen Keller or um, Fanny Crosby or Ray Charles or Stevie Wonder. Um, One funny story is of a blind man, this guy right here, Charlie Boswell. And Charlie wasn't born blind, but during World War II, he was actually rescuing somebody from a tank, and there was an explosion, and it caused him to go blind. And um, he was always an athlete, and he decided that after he was blind, okay, I'm going I'm to take up golf. And you go, how do you golf if you're a blind man? Well, you have somebody else that sort of sets you up and lines you up and tells you how far it is to the hole, and you golf. And Charlie was good at it. He won 16 blind championships. He, he won the Ben Hogan Award. And during that award ceremony, he challenges Ben Hogan to a match. He says, oh, I'd like to play a round of golf with you. And he said, okay, sure. And he goes, um, hey, you want to put a little money on it? And, and Ben Hogan's like, hey, you know what? You're a blind man. I can't take money from a blind man. And he goes, well, hey, are you scared of me? And, of course, Ben Hogan was really competitive. He goes, well, okay, how much? $1,000 a hole. $1,000 a hole? That's a lot of money. Okay, how many, you know, how many points do I have to give you, you know? And he goes, no, 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 no strokes, just heads up. He goes, I can't do that. I mean, everybody, would be, you know, I'd take a stealing money from a blind man. He goes, no, it won't be stealing money from me because we're going to play tonight at midnight, no lights. <laughs> well, that's what Jesus is doing today. Jesus is going to a blind man, and he's going to heal him. But what's interesting, we're going to see two healings of blind men, and they're both done completely differently. And it's important because the reason why Jesus does that is because Jesus is doing something in these guys' heart that's completely different. Because, yeah, you can be physically blind, but guess what? You can be spiritually blind. You can be emotionally blind. You can be mentally blind. I mean, the, the, um, the ancient Persians had this saying. They said, a blind man who sees is better than a seeing man who's blind. Another proverb is, you know, you can have 20-20 vision, but there's none so blind as a person who refuses to see. 
And some of you today may have perfect sight physically, but spiritually there's something wrong. You are blind in an area. And so Jesus wants to give you sight in those areas today. And so I want you to jot this down. Two things I want you to see today. Number one, first of all, Jesus gives you eyes of faith. Jesus gives you eyes of faith. You can be physically, you can see perfectly, but you may be blind because you don't have eyes of faith. Well, that's what we discover in Mark chapter 8. This guy who's blind physically, he's also blind spiritually. And so notice how Jesus heals him. Check it out. Look at it. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Now, many times when Jesus heals somebody, it's on the spot instantaneously. That's not the case here. What, what, what he does here is he takes the man by the hand and he leads him out of the city of Bethsaida. Why? Because Bethsaida has become a city of unbelief. See, Jesus had done all these miracles, done all these wonders and signs in Bethsaida, and yet they still hadn't believed that he was the Messiah. In fact, later on, Jesus condemns the city of Bethsaida. Look at this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 21. Jesus says, Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Now, in the Old Testament, Tyre and Sidon are two pagan cities condemned by the prophet Ezekiel for three chapters. And yet Jesus said, if the miracles that were done in Bethsaida had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. And he basically says, no more. I'm not doing any more miracles in Bethsaida. It's a city of unbelief. And so this blind man is in a city of unbelief, and Jesus literally leads him out. Well, I want to demonstrate that today. I want to ask Evan to come on up here. And Evan's going to illustrate for us what Jesus Christ did, okay? Now, um, think of it this way. When you're a blind person, what do you have to do? You have to trust someone else, right? I mean, that's why, you know, a person who's blind, they will trust, what, a seeing eye dog. They learn to trust that dog because they know they are blind. And so what I'm going to do here, Evan, is I'm going to blindfold you, okay? And um, you're going to have to trust me. And so this is what Jesus did. Of course, um, um, Jesus, the man was already blind. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus took him by the hand. And so, Evan, trust me. All right? What we're going to do is we're going to take just a few steps forward. And I'm not going to lead you off the stage. Right there. Whoop. All right? And then we're going to make a left. So let's turn left here. Okay? And we're going to walk a few steps forward. Okay? Right? Okay. Stop. Okay, we're going to turn around to your right. Okay, and then we're going to walk across again. Ready? Let's do that. Okay, now let's turn again. There we go. Awesome. Let me untie you here if I can. I've got a knot back here. Okay. All right, Evan. Was that hard? Not too bad. Not too bad. Good. You trusted me, right? All right, let's give Evan a hand, all right? Now, that's just a simple illustration, but... That's what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus didn't just lead him across the stage. Jesus led him out of the city. Now, what was going on there? He was learning to trust in Jesus. See, this man doesn't believe, right? He's not the one that cried for help. Others had to say, Jesus, would you help him? This guy has no faith in Jesus. And so what is he doing? Jesus is teaching him to trust in him. That's what happens to you as well. Can I just tell you what? There's going to be times in your life that God will let you go through a dark season. Where you don't know what's going on. You can't see what's happening. And why does God do that? Because during those dark seasons, when you can't see anything else, God wants you to press into him. God wants you to take his hand. God wants you to trust him in those seasons of darkness. 
Many times in my life, that's what's happened. And it's those seasons of darkness that it's amazing how God grows up my faith. Why? Because I've learned to trust in him through the dark seasons. That's what Jesus is doing here, okay? But it's amazing the next thing that Jesus does with a man. Check it out, verse 23. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? Now, most of us, whenever we think of healing, we don't think of spitting, right? And yet here is Jesus spitting on this man's eyes. Now, I know a great deal about spitting. The reason why is because I raised three boys, okay? I don't know what it is about boys. They just like to spit. You've seen that before, right? You see a pitcher on the pitcher mound. You know, he's looking at the catcher, and then he throws the ball, right? I've seen a lot of cheerleaders before. Go, team, go. Never seen anybody go, go, team, go. No, girls just don't seem to do that, right? But boys, they spit all the time. I can remember taking a group of middle school boys to Six Flags once. We're up on this tall tower. First thing to do, get the edge, see who can spit the farthest. Why do boys like to spit? I don't know. But here's the crazy thing. The Son of God is spitting on this guy's eyes. I mean, you can just imagine. Okay, the disciples have this deep theological question. Lord, why is this man blind? Whoa, what's going on? Don't look at Jesus. Got a loogie hanging off his chin. You think, surely, Jesus, there's had to be a more dignified way to heal somebody. Don't you watch the TV preachers? You pull, you're healed, and knock them out, right? No, Jesus, he's spitting on somebody. Okay? This is strange, isn't it? And then what happens? He asked, you know, verse 23, do you see anything? Verse 24, the, the, he looked up and said, I see people. That, they look like trees walking around. Now, again, this is another unique healing. Normally when Jesus touches somebody, they're immediately healed. This takes, it's a process, right? It's not instantaneous. Why? Because God's building his faith. Imagine if you have see absolute darkness, and then suddenly you get a little light coming in. And you see images, and you see people moving around. You can just imagine hope arising in this guy. He's getting excited. Oh, my goodness, I'm being healed. That's what's happening. Jesus is healing this guy, not just physically, but spiritually. He's giving this guy faith. Of course, Jesus is the first opti- ophthalmologist here, and what does he do? He says, hey, i got to complete this process. So what does he do? Verse 25, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. No spit this time, right? Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, he saw everything clearly. Can I just tell you, that's what Jesus sometimes has to do to us. He has to touch us, and then touch us again, and touch us again, so that we start seeing things clearly. So what's happened here? Yes, he's given this man who is physically blind sight, but this man was spiritually blind, and he has literally produced faith. Now look what Jesus then tells him to do. Check it out, look at verse 26. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Why? I don't want you go back, going back to the city of unbelief, right? They're just going to mess up your faith again. And it's the same way with us. So, so the first thing is that you maybe physically have 20-20 vision, but maybe you're blind spiritually because you need eyes of faith. And so here's my application point for you. Open your eyes and believe in Jesus. Open your eyes and start believing in Jesus. Why? Because we live in a culture that is Bethsaida. We live in a culture of skepticism and people that are just, you know, disbelieve the Bible, disbelieve Jesus Christ. God blesses us with creation every day, and yet we don't even believe there is a God or we act like there's no God. And so what do you do? You ask Jesus, Jesus, take me by the hand. Lead me out of a city of unbelief. I want to trust you. I want to learn to depend on you. Touch me. Touch me again till I have clear eyes. There's a um, television show years back called Friday Night Lights, and they had this little saying in the locker room. 
Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Clear eyes, full heart of Jesus, you can't lose. You can't. And that's what Jesus Christ wants to give every one of you. Now, a lot of people, they go, yeah, 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 I believe. But all they really, they don't really have faith. They just have intellectual assent. They believe the facts up here, and that's not true faith. The Bible says the devil believes and trembles. So you can know all the facts up here, and it will not make any difference in your life. What you've got to do is you've got to not just believe here, but you've got to believe here. You've got to trust Jesus with your whole life. People say, well, I've always believed. You haven't always believed. I mean, you may have grown up in church and always have an intellectual sin about God, but just because you were, you know, born in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian any more than, you know, being born in an airport makes you an airplane, right? No, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. You have to have a personal relationship. You have to personally surrender. You've got to go all in. You've got to, I surrender all and trust Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. And so, yeah, you may have perfect sight, but you may be spiritually blind. And the way that that changes is by having true faith. Trust and believe in Jesus. Second miracle that we see of the healing of a blind man leads to this truth. Jot this down. Jesus gives you eyes to follow. And so what we're going to do now, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And we see another healing take place. And he's going to lead this man to follow Jesus. He already has faith, but he's going to learn to follow Jesus. And this man has no meaning and purpose in life, and yet Jesus is going to give him purpose. Have you ever asked yourself that question? What, what's the purpose of life? I mean, why was I born? Why am I alive? Um, what, 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 what's my purpose in life, right? That's not a new question. Dr. Hugh Moorhead, the chairman of the Department of um, Philosophy at um, Northeastern University, wrote a book basically asking that question, what's the meaning of life? He contacted 250 of the top, you know, philosophers, top um, thinkers and scientists of the day and said, hey, what's the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? And the people came back and they gave him different answers. And a lot of them came back and said, you know, I don't really have a clue. Here's my best guess. Some wrote back and said, you know what? I don't know. Could you, if you find out what the meaning of life is, would you please tell us what it is? Well, you know what? That's what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to give this man, this blind man, meaning and purpose in life. And he does the very same thing for you. And how does it? It's by following Jesus Christ. And so check this out. Look at this story. It's found in Mark chapter 10, beginning verse um, 46. Look at what God's word says here. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. That's Jericho. Now, the reason why I point out Jericho is it's very important. Because Jesus leaves Jericho, and where does he go? He goes to Jerusalem. Now, we know what happens in Jerusalem. It's Passover, and so Jesus is going to be crucified. So this is the very last time Jesus passes through Jericho. And while he's passing by, there's this one man that has this one last chance to be healed. Look at it. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Blind Bartimaeus. For simplicity, we'll call him Blind Bart. And Blind Bart represents all the forgotten people of this world. All the people that, you know what, are the lowest of the low. They're the downtrodden of our society. The people that we overlook, right? And I can just imagine, here's this blind man, Bartimaeus, sitting by the roadside, thinking life has passed him by. And guess what? Some of you may feel that way. Some of you may feel like, you know what, my purpose in life is over, or you know what, life has passed me by, or that opportunity has passed me by, or that relationship has gone on, you know, is there any meaning for my life? That's got to be where Bartimaeus felt. But not only that, blind Bartimaeus, 
He wasn't just blind. The Bible says he's a beggar. Now, I know that blind folks today can live very productive lives, but back then, if you're blind, you're an outcast, right? I mean, the only way you're going to survive is to be a beggar. And that's what, that was his existence. I, I'm just a beggar. This is all my, my life, right? Now, we know every major city has people that are beggars, right? And, you know, you can see them on the street corners with different signs. And, and some are just really sad stories when you see the different, you know, beggars on the street corners. You know, through the years, some beggars have gotten really creative with their signs. Check out this sign right here. This man here says, why lie? I need a cold beer, right? Okay, well, all right. This guy says, um, Wife has been kidnapped. I'm 98 cents short for ransom. <laughs> or how about this guy? Coat and tie. My Lexus needs a tune-up. Okay, well, at least he's honest. Well, blind Bart, he was a beggar, and he had real needs. It wasn't anything pretentious. This guy, the only way he's going to survive is this. Now, many times, like people that are blind, have a real keen sense of hearing, and obviously Bart did. And so he's hearing this crowd going by, and he's asking, what's going on? What's going on? Who's passing by? And he finds out Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so look what he does, verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, that phrase, son of David, that's a messianic term. Yeah, Jesus is a descendant of David, but by calling him son of David, he was saying, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the promised one. I mean, he'd heard about all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders, all the healings of Jesus Christ. He had no doubt that Jesus was the promised Messiah of God. So he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so here's blind Bart. (laughs) He's crying out for Jesus. Did, Did the people around him go, good for you, Bart. Yell a little louder. No. Check it out. Verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Can I tell you what? Whenever you decide that you're going to go all in and follow Jesus Christ and you get radical for Jesus, people are going to try to shout you down. They will. I mean, everybody's fine with a little bit of religion, right? But you go all in and get radical for Jesus Christ, people are going to shout you down. Why? Because haters are going to hate. They're going to tell you to shut up. Get in your place, Christian, right? And so did did Blind Bart do that? Absolutely not. Verse 48. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. This word shouted all the more. It's a real interesting word. It's the Greek word crazen. We get the word crazy from it. I mean, this man is literally going crazy shouting, Jesus! Right? I mean, he's crazy. And so why? Because he knew this was his opportunity, and he was not going to let this opportunity pass. And neither should you. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And I love his response. Look at verse 50. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now that's significance. Why? Because a cloak to a beggar was his life. I mean, think about it. It It's his outer garment. It's what kept him safe. It kept him secure. It's like a security blanket. It's like, you know, your sleeping bag. It keeps you warm. I mean, it's your most important garment. It's where you store all of your, you know, the money that you got from begging. And he sets it all aside as if saying, I'm not going to need that anymore. I absolutely believe, I know Jesus is going to heal me. And suddenly, this man who's been sitting on a street corner with no purpose in life is going to have meaning and purpose again. And so he gets up to Jesus, throws his cloak aside. Verse 51, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. 
Now, for me, this seems like really obvious, Jesus, okay? Hey, you know, blind man crying for mercy, don't you think you sort of know what he wants? Well, Jesus often asked this question. In fact, people that were in worse condition than Bartimaeus. At one particular time, a man who is, you know, completely paralyzed, he's asking, and Jesus says, do you want to be healed? You know why Jesus asked that question? Because a lot of us, we say we want to follow Jesus. We say we want God to work in our lives, and yet we really don't. We don't really want to change. We don't want to be any different. We want to keep living the way we've always lived and not really change. We want the blessings of God with no change in our life. And so why? Because we have this victim mentality. You know what? I I can't get past my past. I can't get beyond my hurts. I mean, you know, this is who I am. I can't change. I I, I just can't. This is my identity. This is my disability. I can't, I can't, I can't. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Quit, Quit thinking like the world thinks. I'm so thankful blind Bartimaeus did not have a victim mentality. No. Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Verse 51. The blind man said, Rabbi... I want to see, right? Nothing generic, nothing, bless me, Lord. Nothing real, real hyper-spiritual, you know, Lord, I come to thee this warm afternoon, beseeching if you wouldest, if you couldest possibly heal me, right? No, no, I want to see. He knew what he wanted. Why? He had absolute faith and confidence in Jesus Christ could do it. So what does Jesus do? I love this. Verse 52, Go. Jesus said to him, your faith has healed you. Doesn't need to touch him. Doesn't need to spit on him. Doesn't need to carry him anywhere. A simple word of Jesus, boom, he's instantaneously healed. Why? Because he already had faith. This was something else Jesus was doing in his heart. You know, what's interesting, when you study the Gospels, there are seven different individuals that are blind that Jesus heals. And he heals each of them differently because he's doing something different in every one of their lives. And can I just say it's the same way with you? That God works differently in every one of our lives, right? I mean, God touches us in different ways. Sometimes it's very dramatic and emotional, and sometimes it's very calm. I mean, sometimes you're tears, sometimes you're laughing whenever God speaks to you and changes you, right? I mean, some of us, we we see the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and have this Damascus Road experience and light from heaven, and we go, whoa, I want that kind of experience, God. But then, you know, you have other places in the Scripture where you have Lydia where it just simply says, she opened her heart and believed. It's just that simple, and that's still, right? So God works differently in every one of our lives, just like he did back then. I mean, think about it. If you had these different, you know, blind men get together and compare notes, they would disagree with each other. One would say, hey, you know what? Um, The way that Jesus works is he touches you once. That's how Jesus works. And the other blind man would have said, no, no, no. The way Jesus works is he got to touch you twice. That's how Jesus works. And then a third one say, no, the way Jesus works is he spits in your eye. That's how Jesus works. I love the way Vance Havner once put it, the pastor. He said, you know, if these three guys were around today, we'd have three different Christian denominations. You'd have the one-touch church. You'd have the two-touch church. You got the spit-in-the-eye church, right? God works differently. Why? Because he's doing different things in all of our hearts. We don't need anybody else's experience. You just need your experience with Jesus. You need to learn to trust in him. And so here is blind Bartimaeus. He already has faith that Jesus is the Messiah. What is happening here? Notice what Jesus does. Verse 52. Go. And so verse 52 says this. Immediately. No gradual. Immediately he received his sight and did what? He followed Jesus along the road. In your outline, circle, follow Jesus. 
Suddenly, this guy had life. He's already thrown away his cloak because he knew he wasn't going back to that lifestyle anymore. He is now following Jesus outside of Jericho. You know, where, where did he go? He followed Jesus. From that point forward, he followed Jesus. What does that mean? He went to Jerusalem and Palm Sunday, what happened? We know what happened on Palm Sunday. I mean, they're coming in and everybody's got palm branches and they're worshiping Jesus as he's riding in. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, son of David. I can just imagine that was Bart just shouting, son of David, I know he's the Messiah. But guess what? A few days later on Friday, he was probably around the cross when everybody was saying, crucify him, crucify him. His heart broken, tears coming down his face. You go, how do you know that? When you study the Gospels, you realize that we do not have the personal name of all the people that Jesus healed. And so whenever you find somebody like the name Bartimaeus, the reason it's there is because the Gospel writer knows that the early church recognizes that person and knows their name. And so this man, Bartimaeus, was known by the early church. They knew his story. They had, they had relations with this guy. They knew him, right? I mean, so yeah, he was there at Palm Sunday. He was there at the crucifixion. Did you know that after the resurrection, the Bible says that he appeared to as many as 500 people at one time? Bartimaeus was probably one of the 500. Bartimaeus was probably a part of the 120 in the upper room when Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came. Why? Because he said, I'm following Jesus no matter what. And that's the same way with you. Yes, Jesus gives you eyes of faith, but guess what? Jesus wants you now to follow him. So jot this on your outline. Open your eyes and live and follow Jesus. Having faith isn't just enough. You are called to follow Jesus. He doesn't just want you to believe. He wants you to belong. He doesn't just want you to know. He wants you to grow. Be ready to set aside your cloak of the past. That's who you were. That's your old identity. You now have a new identity in Jesus Christ. And you say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. I'm going to follow Jesus in the good times when everybody's praising his name. I'm going to follow Jesus when everybody else is yelling, crucify him. Good times, bad times, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. Sad reality for so many Christians is that, you know what? They've stepped across the line of faith, but then they haven't continued in following it's like they got their ticket to heaven stamped, and they think that's all God wants. No, God has so much more in store for you. God has a life for you, has a purpose for you, has a destiny for you. God has a plan for your life. He wants you to be part of his kingdom purpose of bringing other people to faith in Jesus Christ. So what do you do? Yes, have faith, believe, but now follow Jesus Christ like blind Bart did. Let me close with this. Jack Eckert inherited um, a lot of Eckerd drug stores. He um, really rambunctious businessman, grew Eckerd drug stores to over 300 stores. And, um, you know, very successful, really concerned about the bottom line. His stores have now been bought out. They're, they're now CVS and Rite Aid, okay? But um, he was in Florida at the time, and he was um, a nominal Christian at best. And he went on a men's retreat at his church in Clearwater, Florida. And God radically got a hold of his heart, changed him radically. He came in Monday after that retreat and walks in one of his stores and notices that behind the cashier, there's pornography being sold at his stores. It suddenly bothered him. It had never bothered him before, but it now bothered him. Calls up his CFO and says, um, look, I don't want that stuff in my stores anymore. And his CFO says, man, that's going to cost you a lot of money. 
And he goes, I don't, I don't care. Tell, just tell me how much it's going to cost, and we'll, we'll just handle that. CFO calls him back the next day and says, you're going to lose a, at least a half a million dollars a year of pure profit. And he goes, I don't care. Get them out of my stores. Now, isn't that amazing? Here's a man who's walked through those stores all this time, and they never bothered him before. But now somebody who now has true faith and is really following Jesus, he now has clear eyes and a full heart. Can't lose. Jesus Christ wants you to believe in him. Yes, have eyes of faith. But Jesus Christ also wants you to follow him. Have those eyes of purpose in your life. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.